Perfect Collinswood, hyper-local news from the greatest town in the world. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. And I'm Kate Delaney. All right, so I know we haven't been on in a while. Um, last last episode, we were uh, kind of doing a post-mortem of Kate's campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week, we're back to the normal format. So we're going to be talking about the commissioner's meeting and a couple other issues going on in town. Uh, but first, since uh, Kate's not not running for office anymore, we're not doing any we're not doing her campaign planks. So we're just going to we're going to do a segment called Kate's Important Issue <laughs> <laughs> because and Kate has many <laughs> important issues that she uh, that the public needs to hear about. No shortage ever. So, Kate, what is your important issue for this month? Yeah. So at the moment, what's on my mind is Collingswood's commitment to community choice aggregation. Um, This is something that the Collingswood Progressive Democrats, when we were the Collingswood Democratic Committee, organized, um, and we got other residents to support us in our work. Um, So what what is community aggregation? So community energy aggregation makes the municipality a bulk purchaser of energy for the entire town. And the idea is kind of a Costco model of shopping. So if you buy more, you can get a better price. Okay. So instead of me contracting directly with the, uh, the power company. Whoever knocks your door and says, yeah, yeah, go yeah. With it. Right. So instead, of, so instead of me saying, I'm going to buy power from this, this power company, right. the township buys the power and negotiates the, the price and the, the contract right. for everybody. And this already happens in some places. So Pensacola already does this. And when we were working on this, uh, we started a couple years ago. And then when we passed it was with Food and Water Watch, which is a statewide um, and national environmental organization. And the idea is to take that bulk purchasing, buying power to get better prices and also to add in renewable goals. So community energy aggregation is about, you know, more cost savings, but also about transitioning away from fossil fuels and growing the industry. So... The idea is to move us to 100% renewable electricity by 2030. And we spent some time advocating for this to the commissioners. You can imagine how that went. And then we kicked off. I have no idea what you mean. (laughs) We kicked off an an initiative to referendum, which is something that citizens are empowered to do under the Washack Town format and other towns, which means you go out. Yeah. So I actually have some experience with initiatives and referendums. Yes. And you can't call it that. Okay. All right. Those are two separate things. An, in, uh, an initiative is a um, is when you're trying to pass a law. Right. A referendum is when you're trying to repeal a law. So a referendum is what you do after a law or an, or an ordinance has already been passed. And you say, we don't like that. We want to do a referendum. An initiative is where you say, I have a thing that I think we should do. Let me get a bunch of signatures and we, we can enact that as, right. as an ordinance. Right. So which one is this? So this was to get it on the ballot. Well, firstly, to get the signatures to bring to the Board of Commissioners, which we did. So and you're trying to pass a law that says we're going to do this right. uh, thing. Okay, so, so that's that an initiative. One. Yeah, so step one, we did that. And then we you submit the signatures. We needed about 430 or so. Um, it's based on the number of people that voted in the preceding election. And, um, and then at that point, the commissioners have the decision in front of them to either pass that or to put it on the ballot. So they realized that we were all canvassing and collecting signatures. So real quick, they passed their own version of a energy aggregation program. I'm sure it was just as good, right? It was. It had no renewable goals. Oh. So it said we might have more than zero. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so we said, you know, this is not what we were looking for. The goal here was to, you know, move the needle environmentally. Um, so we continued canvassing. We went back to them with all the signatures. And at that point, they passed it. 
So the first reading was last August. Second reading was in October. Is that of your initiative? Yes. So it never went to the ballot. They didn't okay. let it go to the ballot. So they, they just, they, but they passed it verbatim, the language that you they suggested. Did. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, you know, it's the same um, language basically that was used in North Jersey. So this has happened in Edison, Piscataway, New Brunswick. So lots of other towns in North Jersey have already done this. So this is kind of the first foray of it happening in South Jersey. There's a movement in Cherry Hill to make it happen there. Um, is, this the, is this the smallest town to do it? Um, you just, you just, probably. Those towns are pretty big that you just mentioned. Probably. Yeah. So most all of them right. are, are larger. So which Look at us. should make Trailblazing. it. Trailblazing. Yes. Thanks, Kate. So that was kind of how we also, you know, said, like, let's be the first to do this. Um, so it says in the ordinance that they have to, you know, initiate the process of like an RFP, hiring a consultant, et cetera, by, within a year. So and then meet the first goal the first, you know, renewable energy goal, which they are not on track to do at this point. So and for those who didn't listen to our deep dive on this, an RFP is a request for proposals. Right. So there needs to be, you know, something happening. And there was people that went to the meeting that asked, you know, what's going on? And it doesn't seem like anything is happening. So I would say that's my issue of the moment is making sure that CCA happens in Collingswood. It's a good idea. It's a good way to make sure that homeowners, renters, businesses can opt into the program as well. And again, moves us all, you know, away from fossil fuels some. It grows the industry. And, and this is a purely opt-in program? Everyone is automatically opted in. Okay. So it's an opt-out program. It is. Okay. Because it's, you know, you get the better price when yeah. everyone participates. No, I, I, I prefer opt-out programs. Right. It's, it's just as, uh, gives people just as much freedom to do what they want. Right. As as uh, an opt in, but it, you know, it uh the, for the people that don't care, then we decide for them. Right. Yes. And right? I mean in, And like, I think that's kind of the right way to do it. If you right. care, you can you can decide. If you don't care, well then, then try we'll, this out. Yeah. Right. And it's been like 10% cost savings in other places that have done this. So it's not a tremendous cost savings, but there's some and again, it's you yeah, know, it's 10% ain't us. nothing. It's moving us where we need to be. Every so. penny helps. Exactly. This in is this Jersey, economy. It's expensive as hell. <laughs> So we need the commissioners to uh, take some action. During the campaign, they were like, you know, clapping for themselves and saying we had gotten this done. But again, it hasn't it hasn't happened. So it needs there needs to be movement on this issue. All right. Well, moving on uh, to the commissioner's meeting. Our last commissioner's meeting was July 6th. So that was just this Monday. Um, we'll post the agenda, a link to the agenda in the show notes. Um, the next meeting is going to be on August 2nd. So tune in for that because it's going to be pretty exciting, like always. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about, well, I think we're, I was, we, me and Kate were talking about this before the show. I think we're going to move away from the format where we cover every little thing they do at the commissioner's meetings because it's kind of boring. We're just going to talk about like the major issues going on in town. So first issue is marijuana. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the so Collingswood is trying at least to get a marijuana dispensary put in. They are um, towns right now just kind of have to either opt in or opt out, right? Of the By program, the middle of August, yeah, yeah. Um, and we don't have regulations yet, so we don't even know what it means. Uh, but the uh, to uh, you know to the commissioner's credit, um, we are opting into the program. I think that's great. Um. Uh, now, th- there are some, uh, I say Kate has some concerns about how we are going about doing this. 
Um, so, Kate, what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, so they had their first reading at that the the commissioners meeting that just happened. They have a town forum that's coming up on the fourteenth. Um, so that already I find a little bit problematic. Yeah, I, I think, think it's weird <laughs> that they have the ordinance already drafted before they get the feedback from the right from the public. Now, you know, at the commissioners meeting, Mally assured everyone that the the ordinance can be amended. It's not set in stone. Um, right. I'm going to make a prediction that the ordinance will not be amended. Yeah, I think that's a safe prediction. Uh, um, I put my money on that. I have a feeling that the ordinance will be passed at the second reading on August 2nd uh, in the exact same language that it already is. Yeah. I don't think it's great to initiate legislation and then ask the public and say the public's participation matters if you've already started. Yeah, this uh, so this town forum strikes me as very much like we're going to explain to you what we're doing, not right. like we're going to listen to you and decide what to do based on that. Right, exactly. It's reporting out, but it's not participation. Yeah, which, you know, reporting out's great, but participation would be even better. Yes, depends on what you want from your <laughs> local government. Um, so that's one issue. What's yeah. What's the other issue? Um, the other issue, I think, is location. So I think that, you know, it's good that we're opting in. Um, a lot of towns have opted out. Lots and lots. Um, other Some towns that have opted out have gone the route of doing actual engagement with the community. So, you know, I, that would be really positive. So that, that for me, like the fact that there is no real engagement on this issue is deeply problematic. Um the placement of where they are saying they might do cannabis retail is um, along 130, the 130 corridor. And they've you know, said multiple times, air quotations, we'll just put it by Camden. And now, where are they saying that? That's been said at meetings. <laughs> at commissioners yes, meetings? Over oh, by, you know, so I mean, this is. Oh, man. Yeah. And I, you know, I, so I think to say that this is innovative, I don't know. Growing up in South Jersey, white suburbanites going into to Camden to get drugs. That's kind of <laughs> been the standard play. Nothing new there. Um, I also was talking to a Camden activist friend yesterday who made the point that like that actually could get in the way of Camden having cannabis retail, maybe because, you know, it's kind of right on the edge of the two communities. I don't know. Um, so I think it would be better to explore ways to maybe put it downtown and have there be actual retail spaces that are like within the town itself rather than just on the highway. Um, you know, looking at the ordinance, I know there's a lot of concern about parking, more on parking to come in, the, in this podcast, <laughs> um, concerns about, you know, the town smelling like weed. Okay. I get all of that. Um, but I think that, you know, there could be opportunities, maybe there, you know, there would be interest in, from the businesses to have, you know, some uh, expensive cannabis gummies in their retail establishments. I don't know. But without any public engagement, we won't know that. And personally, I think it's really important for this to be an opportunity to chip away at the war on drugs, which has been really damaging to communities um, and to make, you know, legal weed a mainstream thing. Yes, as a uh, anticipated marijuana consumer, I would certainly appreciate having a store downtown. Right now, what uh, what the mayor said at the last meeting was that um, the businesses themselves don't want to be located downtown um, because of parking. Um, he said that when when they've and, and and what he said was that there are a very limited number of these licenses going out only about 50 for the whole state. Right. Um, so they're pretty competitive. A lot of towns, uh, not every town who wants a dispensary is going to get one. And it's really the businesses. They get to choose where to go and what they want. Their number one priority is having lots of parking. Um, I don't, 
I, I have no way of verifying that. Right. Um, but if that's true, then there, there's really nothing he can do to get it downtown. So, yeah, though I've heard that a lot. Everyone has said to me they don't like this idea. Okay, well, that's operable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see if other towns manage to put them in places that are in their sort of main business corridor. Um, and I think some town will, right? And that'll be advantageous for that community. Oh, absolutely. And um, I think Collingswood would have been a natural choice, but... Yeah. No, I, I don't think know. so, too. Lewandowski made a comment about, like, let's not go into this guns blazing, which yeah. I was like... That's odd. But I think it's really important to get kind of the bigger context. So the South Jersey machine was never going into cannabis legalization, guns blazing. Um, so, you know, back in 2019. Yeah. Well, one the- other comment about, like, not being able to attract the businesses. It, it it's If that was the case, if that was the reason why they, they wouldn't put it downtown, then there's no reason for the ordinance to say that. Right. Right. The ordinance limits it to this uh, these two zones exactly that are out by right. 130 yeah you could easily pass an ordinance that says oh it can go in the central business district or out there or the highway or right. you know or in any of the other right. commercially zoned areas right. and then you know it goes where it goes it goes where the uh the businesses yeah uh, think they can do the do the most business or right. have the best setup right um so i don't really buy this that like oh right. we're has we're, we're making it illegal to put downtown because businesses don't want to be there right seems um unnecessary so yeah. i like my my assumption is there's something else going on here right and they just don't they don't want it downtown either no and there was a lot of like comments about like we never thought we would be doing this yeah i mean it could be that the businesses don't we do also have like a health food store that might want to sell cannabis gummies i have no idea well but again, i don't think when we i don't think you're allowed I, to do that right i think the cannabis law is you have to have like a, setup, a standalone right, dispensary right. and there's a lot of stuff about like it can't say can't show any depictions of weed well that's an, that's fine. that's an, that's that's an fine. our local right. ordinance that's not the state law right. i mean the state law says you know a bit you know business gets a license to sell weed and it has to be you right. know a standalone weed dispensary you don't sell anything else i think um, but in any case, I don't think just with the limited number of licenses there are, I don't think it would make sense for a business to be like, I am selling all this other stuff, but also let me throw in some weed gummies there. Right. Like that would be cool <laughs> if businesses could start doing that. But right. if our liquor laws are any, uh, yeah. are any indication, Another like, thing that needs fixing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Haddon Culinary does sell wine. Right. Um, so maybe in the future they could they could throw some weed gummies in there, right? Um, which would be nice. <laughs> uh, but I think we need a change in the state law. Yes, um, which will need people to get a little more comfortable, right, with uh, legal weed before that happens. Uh, but you know, hopefully in the future, right? And I think it is a state issue. I think the problem is the state is connected to the local in that it's really you know the same machine players. Steve Sweeney, the Senate president, has always been you know not. Very supportive of oh, yeah. legal weed. This he's could have reason, happened in 2019. The, yeah, he's the reason we had to wait so long for this. Murphy, right. when he was elected, was all about it. When was he elected? This 2016. Yeah, he's up for re-election this year. Yeah. So was that? So was it 2017 then? In 2019, there was legislation about medicinal marijuana that Steve Sweeney opposed. At mm-hmm. the time, he said it was a moral issue for people, and that he's a conservative. He's a Dem, but describes yeah, himself as course. a conservative. He's been the Senate president for approximately five million years. Um, 
And really what has happened behind the scenes is the machine figured out how to make money on it. So freeholder director Capelli now has, you know, all his paperwork in order to have a dispensary. Yeah. Um, his law firm is also going to advise municipalities on how to get everything set up. So they, the machine always like they don't really have any convictions. Yeah. But they like just have. Murphy was elected, I think, in 2017. And this was a campaign platform. Exactly. So he started trying to get the law passed immediately. And it was right. Sweeney holding it up. Right, and they shot it down for, with the millionaire's tax and years. all the other yeah. yeah stuff that the governor was. Changing. So yeah, it was definitely. So he said Steve Sweeney. I'm like, I know that name. Mm-hmm. I recognize that guy because he was like the the driving force behind this not getting passed for three years. Right. Yes. Um, and why we had to put it on the ballot. Right. Why the the state senate couldn't just pass it and it passed overwhelmingly. Yeah. So his idea oh, that it's a moral it. issue. I mean. They're basically Republicans, the, the Camden County Dems. Yeah. So we're up against very... And the, you know, the description or the, you know, the way I heard them talking at the commissioner's meeting, same thing. It's really just like, can you get very conservative leaders to be open-minded and to take on a topic in a way that's not going to like shunt it over to the side and be like, okay, we did that, but really like be innovative and listen to the community? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? All right. So you were telling us about the machine and how it uh, handles... Handled the whole legal weed situation. Right. So that was it, really. So you know. they just wanted to make money off it? Yes. They wanted to make money was, off of it. I mean, that was kind of Murphy's sales pitch when he was campaigning on it. Well, it was I like, think look, was, we got to legalize weed and then we can maybe like lower property taxes because of all the money coming in. And that's fine. I think, ta- I yes, there should be tax revenue. But the idea that I don't like, think that happened. <laughs> right. But the idea that like, you know, freeholder Capelli, you know, is there to make money off of this by selling weed and advising, right. you know, I mean, it's just like. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I have a feeling that uh, some of this uh, weed revenue is going to be ending up in the pockets of uh, what's his name? The, the big insurance guy that runs it. Oh, Norcross? Yeah, Norcross. Of course. It's all about, yeah, these guys are like pigs at the trough of their public tax dollars. They just t- figure out how to game everything to use local government, state government, uh, public entities as private clubs to enrich themselves. So they've done this with weed too. And this is why we've got kind of this slapdash thing that might happen okay in some municipalities and probably not very innovatively unless we can get small town officials to be open-minded all right well at least we may be getting a weed dispensary exactly and it um, might be near west so. and it might be near <laughs> me yes the the uh that's the, the silver lining here <laughs> the, the zoning map that i saw allows a dispensary like half a block from me uh, which is almost certainly won't go there because <laughs> what they're looking at is that big teamsters building right because um, it has that giant parking lot it does um so, but that's not too far. Right. It's, it would be As nice. you said, there's the pedestrian bridge. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. There's a pedestrian bridge you can take. Uh, I think that got built like 10 years ago. Yeah. Because that was back when I was mm-hmm. walking to Patco. Also, it'd be nice that it's convenient to Patco. Ferry Ave's right there. Yes. I have a friend who really thought that like that could be something that tie, and I think it's a good idea, could tie all the municipalities together. Like having Bringing things Bringing people together through marijuana. Exactly. It's kind of a beautiful dream, right? How Pollyannish. <laughs> It is a beautiful dream. Well, listeners, you heard it here. Marijuana will heal our divides. Yep. Everyone will just come together, smoke some weed, and <laughs> remember that they all love each other. Yep. Uh, which, if you've never smoked weed with strangers, that's that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's every time. Uh, all right. Next issue. Next issue. New police building. 
Yes. Uh, they will be moving into it soon, which means that there will be an old police building with mm-hmm. uh, nothing to do. There's also a change order for the another change order. I think it was change order eight. Another one? Mm-hmm. What Are they just spending more money on the new police building now? It was Yes. I think it was something about Jingoli needs more money to do something. I'm not sure why. I, I need to hunt down what that is. To buy a yacht. Exactly. <laughs> I just, I have no idea how, like, municipal contracting is allowed to work this way. Yeah. If I hired someone to build something, I would be like, okay, you build this. I will pay you this. If they came back and were like, I need more money. I would say no. Right. Well, I'd be like, well, we signed this contract and you said you do it for this amount of money. So right. you have to do it for this amount of money. And if you want more money, you have to provide me with something more. Right. Than what you originally promised. Well, again, all corrupt roads lead, lead back to Steve Sweeney. He is the construction union guy. The construction union donates to his campaign and he keeps it flowing it can't be all corruption though because i feel like every every municipal contract mismanagement it might be a lot of i mean i think partly the number that was originally passed was passed as that particular number like there was an idea of like what can we say this is going to cost and then we'll just do change order after change order and people don't pay attention, right? Most people aren't at these meetings and they don't say, oh, there you go. It's up again. It's up well, again. Well, they are now because everyone listens to our podcast. Of course. Right. So. And that's we're, in, we're that's why we're informing the public of all this stuff. Um, so, you know, maybe next time we do a municipal contract, we can just like set a price in the contract and that's the price. Right. Like well, I do right. whenever I hire a contractor. Exactly. If it goes up eight times, you'd be, you know. Right. And if they like, right. you know, and if they like dig down and find you know an old uh like septic tank or something then yeah then maybe you need to renegotiate right but there's like there there, there's clear clear indications in contract law about what what um justifies you know backing out of a contract right right and i i somehow doubt that we had five or six of those circumstances in this case that required that many different price changes yeah that's what i'm saying and the way they present them at the meetings is just like oh another change mm. order yeah and, I mean, one was for the bell tower like it was so like it was bell tower yeah Why do we need a bell tower i don't know is this is this 18th century gothic <laughs> london <laughs> but so again i think it's just like they go with a low price and then they know there'll be half a dozen or more change orders most people won't pay attention so there won't be, you know, any that, sticker shock at the beginning. It seems like it frustrates the bidding process. Yeah. Because, you know, the whole bidding process is to be like, okay, who can do this for, you know, the the least amount of money? Right. Who can give us the number we've already told you that we want and then put that in and then you're hired. That's uh, the bidding process. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, that sounds like a problem. Yeah. Uh, now, I think probably some change orders were justified here because the price of raw materials has just gone up a right. lot recently. Um, so that, I mean, that would make sense. I think, and that's like something in any contract, that if you negotiated happens. it. Right, sure. Um, and then the price of steel doubles and the price of lumber doubles, then right. you can then you can say, okay, this was not anticipated by either party. It justifies a change in the price. Um, and that's the kind of thing you can do. But like five or six change orders, that's that seems excessive. Right. Yeah, no, I think any project, right? A home project, too. It happens. Yeah. But like I if think... I hired a contractor to build a deck. Right. Um, and then the price of lumber doubled. Right. They'd probably come back and say, like, look, we can't do it for this price. It's just the the market right now. Right. We can either wait and do it later when the price goes down or we'll have to increase our price. Right. And I think that's a fair thing to say. 
Um, but some, something tells me that's not what's going on because this apparently is every project. Every project is all the history of time. And I think if it was an issue like that, then there would be an opportunity for some public engagement and say, you know, here's why the project has gone up this much because Mm X, Y, and Z. But we don't hear any of that. We just and then like maybe next time you don't use that contractor. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Because they are bad at estimating the cost of the project. Right. Right. Like use a contractor that you know delivers what it says on the tin. Exactly. Right. So. Ugh. That's that's the right response. Kate. Ever, ever since I, I've started learning more about municipal government, it's just been very depressing. Our friendship is really made your, <laughs> your life is out of place. That's right. You really, you really I'm glad I'm me. here to bum you out as your friend. The fact, the fact that we're friends has really just made me very sad. <laughs> oh, thanks, Wes. But, you know, better... Better, better to know than not know. Yeah. I guess. Well, ignorance is bliss, right? That's you know, and that's say. what they're counting on. If no one pays attention, no one knows. Walk along. Don't think about it. Well, thank God for heroes like us. Exactly. <laughs> think about it. Get pissed off. <laughs> Make a podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, now, my my issue with the police building is not the new police building. Um, it or, or it wasn't. I guess right. it is now. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> uh, my issue is the old police building because. What they're doing with the old police building is nothing. Right. They're knocking it down and putting in more parking. Right. And I just, I'm sort of like philosophically against putting in more, more parking, parking. Right. Anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's not like a, any anywhere that's walkable. Right. The, if you put in more parking, it just means more people drive there. Right. Um, it's sort of the same thing about putting in a new highway. It just means more people drive. Right. If you look, they, you know, um, traffic engineers study this stuff all the time. And it, it, when, when you increase the capacity for cars, you don't get, like, the traffic doesn't move faster. Parking's not easier to find. It's just more more cars. Right. Um, if you want to make traffic easier or make parking easier to find, you increase the price. Right. Right. You do congestion pricing. Now, I don't think we need that in Collingswood. No, uh, Philly could probably use it, um, but we could raise the pr- the price of parking, and then it'd be easier to find spaces. Um, right. But I actually don't think we have that big of a parking problem right now. I don't now. think so either. I they drive have... downtown all the time. I can usually find a spot. Right, we might have to walk a little bit. Yeah. There's the parking by the lumber yard. Sure, yeah. but Collingswood's pretty walkable, so I don't mind right. walking a couple right. blocks. Um, well, so... it seems like they haven't decided. This came up at the um, meeting where they were. Um, re-upping the master plan which I guess was December 19 mm-hmm. and we went and said like do some public engagement and that didn't work um, shocking shocking but a friend of mine said that to them like on one hand you're touting that we're this walkable community but on the other hand you keep talking about we need more parking we need more parking like you need to make a call on this issue like which one are we committing to walkability or parking yeah and I um, you know I live down on Taylor Avenue I walk downtown all the time. Right. It's a 30 a minute walk. walk. Right. Um, but it's really nice. It's a really right. nice walk. I could walk through Night Park. There's there's plenty of sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Traffic's not really a problem. Right. Um, so I think Collingswood is a pretty walkable community. Right. Um, and I think putting in parking just discourages people from walking. Right. Um, I'd rather put in, I'd rather, you know, turn that space. This is like prime real estate in the center of town. Right. The infrastructure is already there. Right. Um, so, w- w- you know, we could turn it into more housing to help with housing affordability in town. 
Um, we could put in, you know, more businesses. A weed dispensary. A weed dispensary. In the form of police building. <laughs> which would just be poetic justice. Um, but just putting in a new parking lot. Right. What is that? Yeah. There's already way too much parking there. Right. Um, yeah, the all whole this, area all is this parking. wasted space. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's nice that we can use it for the farmer's market. Right. But even that doesn't use all that giant, like, block right. of pavement down there. Right. And there's just nothing there. It's like the back of a bunch of stores. Right. That sometimes exactly. use that space. Right. I think there's, like, an exercise class that, that goes out there. There was during the pandemic, but yeah. I think they're back indoors. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, it, yeah. So, like, nothing goes on out there. It's always right. wasted space right mm-hmm. in the center of town. Right. And you could put, you know, you could put housing there or you could put other businesses there mm-hmm. or things that people actually want to want to go to. So I just I'm annoyed that we have this giant concrete uh, space. Right. In and the, we were just the, talking about impervious coverage yes. and stormwater runoff. And yeah, again, I'll contribute. Yeah. Put in uh, some green space. Put in some green space. That'd be put great like to have a, like a little park right there. Yeah, a little or something. park. Put mm-hmm. in some picnic tables so people can get That'd be awesome. out and go eat for the, there. Yeah. For the market. And like you said, it is you know kind of the back of various businesses so yeah. people can hang there. Yeah. Do something. Don't just don't just put in a parking lot. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that's temporary. Hopefully they are going to do something with someday with it. But right. it would be well, nice we'll if they weren't. And apparently, our feet about in, it. In, in, they're using money from the sewer budget. Though it sounds like that's because there's no sewer lines. I don't know. It would be good to have some more clarity around. Uh, well, my next door neighbor is having a sewer problem. <laughs> can so we, can so we can we donate we, it to yeah. Wes's neighbor? Can we direct some of the budget <laughs> over there? Yeah. So I I don't know I guess there's no sewer problems that need that money and uh, we can just I use it on building demolition I don't know I don't know I don't know I don't know the ins and outs of municipal budgeting that's your area Kate well it doesn't feel like maybe the best spot to borrow from the sewer budget to like knock stuff down but well we can't borrow it from the water budget no all right uh, next issue and this is something they discussed at the at the commissioners meeting Robert's pool yes. Um, now Robert's Pool is owned by the municipality, it right? Is. Mm-hmm. And they um, and do they do they do they run the pool? They do. Okay, it's not like is it contracted out to a third party or is it is it actual like it's owned city by employees? The, yeah, it's owned by the borough. Okay. Um, apparently, there were way too many people last weekend. It was really freaking hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they're limiting day passes to 150 yeah. a day. Um, I have no real opinion on this. I just thought people should know if you want to go to Robert's pool, maybe go early, get your day pass early because mm-hmm. they might sell out. Yeah, I know there was like some rumbles over there or something like the yeah, cops were called. It was apparently nuts. I heard some rumors about incidents and, mm-hmm. and didn't get any details. Yeah. Um, so if anyone listening has details, let us know. We'll uh, we'll we include like it on the, the next show. Scoop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were some suggestions that some of the incidents may have been racist. Mm Okay. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, all I've heard were rumors. I know the I, cops were called, but I don't know yeah. what happened. Yeah. Uh, so, but just for our listeners, what you need to know is um, they are limiting day passes. So if you want to go, um, go early or, you know, right. check it. Just, just make sure they have passes available. Um, speaking of racism, <laughs> there what was a... <laughs> And this was not discussed at the at the commissioner's meeting, but we did discuss it in the um, the police advisory meeting. There was a racist incident in Mount Laurel that had a lot of people upset mm-hmm. um, where there was a white guy harassing a black man. Right. Um, yelling racial slurs. Um, 
and they the police came out. Um, they wrote him a ticket for bias intimidation, which is a fourth degree crime. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but people were very upset because they didn't arrest him. Right. Um, and then assigned like five or six officers to go guard his house because he gave out his address and uh, people went to protest his house. Right. Um, now, what Chief Carey said about that is that Collingswood would not do that. You know, they would... Um, they might do some drive-bys. Right. Um, they only they don't stake out a person's house unless they've received credible threats of violence. Um, and people in Mount Laurel really really felt like this was um, committing a lot of resources to protecting a racist guy. One, yeah, one bad yeah. white guy. Right. And I mean, it's impossible to imagine the opposite in which a black man says something and then suddenly all the cops come to protect this black man. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So... Something's going on over there. Right. Um, I hope they sort it out. Yeah, I know there was tons of press. I've done some organizing with the um, president of the Southern Burlington County NAACP, and I know he was there. Um, yeah, so definitely, you know, a pretty egregious example of how the system is rigged to protect people that engage in racist activity. Yeah. Um, and also what Chief Carey said about whether the, the decision to arrest him um, is that it is, there's no real official policy on whether to arrest or not arrest in that kind of situation. Right. Um, one of the ways you can, you can, arre- you can arrest someone on the spot. That's right. usually a judgment call from the officers. Um, to arrest them later, you have to get a warrant and that's up to the judge. Um, so you have to present the information to a judge and it's the judge's call whether to issue a warrant or just a citation. And for a citation, you don't get an arrest. Right. Um, so in this case, it sounded like, they submitted it to a judge. The judge issued the citation. Um, and that's why no warrant was issued. Um, so that wasn't on the police. But they uh, they they could have arrested him on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of strange that they didn't. Right. Because it sounded to me like he was refusing to stop harassing this guy. Right. Right. After police got there and told him to knock it off. Right. Um, and they had to kind of physically remove him. Right. You know... I uh, I would say I'm not a betting man. That's a lie. I am a betting man, <laughs> and I would bet that if this was a black guy harassing oh a white guy, right, and refused to stop when the police told I mean, him to, at, right, yeah, I feel like that guy would be doing the perp walk, right, exactly, right. I you mean, know? we have someone like Sandra Bland who was killed when she was pulled over, and then we have situations like this. Yeah. So the you know the inequities are right there in all of our faces. Yeah. Um, now, when I see inequities like that, I'm usually on the side of, like, we should be nicer to everybody. Right. The police should do less. Yeah. Um, so I'm not... I don't like... I don't like when something like this happens and everyone calls for blood. Right. Because I think that it's important to recognize the double standards. Mm-hmm. But I think the solution to the double standard is for the police to just be less trigger happy. Right. right? Yes. De-escalate so all of it. Right. I, would, I would like to live in a world where if this if the races were reversed, the black guy doesn't get arrested. Right. He just gets a citation because he's not really dangerous. Right. Um, I don't think you need six cops taking out his house. Right. Um, but that's not... That's also not like something I'm going to get too upset about. Right. Because I, I don't know. I don't think anything happened while the police were busy over there. Well, I think it definitely can lead to a conversation about policing and, you know, do we want to invest all our money in policing and do any, all these tax dollars to go to that? Yeah. Well, well, better 
spins. Yeah. So, well, here's my question: Was this the normal police that were on patrol at that time, or, or these was guys it getting like overtime? call everybody in, Harry? Right. I well, don't know. I just mean like, are you are you are these guys getting overtime? Are we spending extra tax exactly. dollars that right. aren't in the budget? I don't to know protect if anyone's done that that digging, but that sounds important. Yeah. To find out, um, because I I would definitely be against that. Right. If this was just the normal cops that were on duty at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it, I think it makes sense to send the cops to the place that you expect would maybe have a violent incident. Right. Um, but I don't think we should be um, giving out putting extra money in the budget. No. And I for that kind then of then I think, you know, clearly policing is not going to heal the divisions in our society about certainly not racism. Yeah. I think, you know, good policing can be a part of it, but that's got up that's they're not going to be leading the charge no exactly yeah. right and i think yeah so i mean there's a lot of interesting community policing and you know I, I think i always need to see what that actually looks like yeah and isn't just a buzzword yeah um and i actually think new jersey is not bad on that like obviously not perfect right but if you compare it to other states new jersey oh, yeah, I'm sure. new jersey really yeah. has one of the best um like use of force policies some of the best policies on what police are and aren't allowed to do right and what they're encouraged or not encouraged to do. Um, and I encourage people to look into that because it actually, the, the, the written policies are rather progressive right. when it comes to police. And um, are last summer when uh, during the George Floyd protests, New Jersey um, was, I think, rightfully held up as sort of a model jurisdiction right. for what other states could do. Um, the, eight ca- the eight can't wait campaign. Um, I think six of the eight things that they were asking for, New Jersey already does. Right. Now, we still have qualified immunity, which is the silliest thing right. <laughs> on earth. I could go on a rant about that, um, but I'm not going to. I think there was actually someone just sent me last night um, that the attorney general office just approved uh, body camera grants for like 478 municipalities. Yes. So we so are that's, getting body cameras. Yeah. Um. And I so think that's good. everyone in the state is getting them. Though there was something, I'm not sure where this issue is, but about letting the police officers look at the recordings before they submit them. Okay. Which feels like a little bit like first check, check your test and make sure you got 100. And then. Okay. So it. I know all about this. Take it away, Wes. So here's what's happening with the body cameras. The. And I'm not sure if it's the law or if it's just the attorney general's directive. Right. But what it says is. Officers are not allowed to review body camera footage before writing their reports. Right. Um, and it doesn't say why they're doing that. I think it's pretty obvious. Right. That you don't, that it's there so evidence isn't tainted. Exactly. Right. Because you want the officer's report to reflect their recollection, not, not what the video the, shows. Right. Yes. The video speaks for itself. The off, The officer's memory speaks for itself. And... You know, if when this comes up in a courtroom, then, then the judge or the jury can the synthesize exactly. those things. Right. Yeah. Um, now, what's actually happening in practice is sort of frustrating this idea, right. which is that officers are writing um, rather vague reports, right. then reviewing the body camera evidence, then submitting supplemental reports right. to say like, OK, here's everything that happened. Whereas but the, I forgot a couple. The original things. report, no, it's not even that. I think it's the original report just says, uh, you know, the very basic, we went out here. This location. There was an incident. Time. Right. We made an arrest. Right. Um, and then they review the body camera footage. And then they write the detailed report that says, like, okay, right. this this time, you know, I stated this to the, the plaintiff. And so uh, 
you know, I think probably the attorney general or the the state legislature needs to um, do something about that. Right. Because obviously police don't want to um, put themselves in a position where they could be where they, they write down something wrong. Right. And I don't think it's nefarious. Right. I don't think it's I don't think they're trying to subvert the rule of law or anything. Um, I think they are correctly realizing that if you write a report hours after something happens, you're going to get some details wrong. Right. And a defense lawyer could take that and make you look like a liar. Right. Um, no, and the body cameras are there to kind of correct their memory or to, yeah. you know, fact no, check I, it. I think I think that if you a jury can understand that. That if right. an officer's report says something that's inconsistent with the video, the officer can just say, oh, yeah, you know, I remembered this detail wrong. Right. After reviewing the Depends video. Depends on what the detail is, right? And right. some smaller details, yeah. I mean, if they're lying, then right. it'll show they're lying. Right, right. <laughs> and that's the thing. Right. Is that this is there to prevent, not, I think, see, I think it's there for both reasons. I think it's there to, yeah, prevent officers from lying. Right. To make sure that when they write down in their report, they can't just make stuff up because they don't know what the body camera footage shows. Right. So they, they're sort of afraid that, that if they if they write something false, that the the body camera footage will contradict it. And let's be clear, police reports are false all the time. Right. Um, police are trained in how to write police reports. Um, they you know they use this very specific language. Um, if you've read, you know, I I wasn't a criminal. I didn't do a lot of criminal cases, but even the few I did, you know, you you read like five or ten police reports, they all say exactly the same thing. Right. And it's just. There's a way you write them. Right. Um, which is not, does not prioritize complete accuracy. It right. prioritizes evidentiary value. Right. And again, I don't think it's nefarious. I think it's police just trying to do their jobs and viewing their jobs as putting away bad guys. Right. Right. And I think, but I think that's not police's job. You know, I think the police's job is to make arrests and it's the prosecutor's job to put away bad guys. Right. And they're not, they're not the same job right i think the police you know their job is to prevent crimes Mm -hmm. and make arrests and testify as to what they saw right they they are they are witnesses not on the street judge and jury right when it comes but when it comes to a criminal action police are witnesses they are not part of the prosecution team right um and i think that it would be better if police viewed their role that way mm-hmm. as not part of the prosecution right yeah i agree with you um and you know but that's just sort of not how it works right yeah so i think that you know this is a good directive mm-hmm. or, or a law or whatever it is that's that's this rule is but i think that it needs to be corrected to right. you know not not allow uh, officers to sort of get around it this way right so now is the part of the show where we talk about what we love about Collingswood. Because Collingswood is the greatest town in the world, and there are a million things to love about it. So, Kate, what do you love this month? Um, I'm going to give a shout-out to my next-door neighbor, <gasps> Zach. Um, we, our air conditioning died a couple of days ago. My house is about 100 years old, and I guess like in the 50s or 60s, someone put in these giant wall units, and they put like all this molding around them to make them like fancy. And when they died, we weren't sure, like, will we be able to replace it? How we're going to get it out of the wall? So my husband decided he was going to do it. 
but it's about the same size as my neighbor's car. <laughs> so <laughs> almost broke his wrist and my next door neighbor helped him get out. And then we had to get it to the curb. Even the scrappers were like, uh, yeah, this thing is huge. I mean, it was massive. It was like a tumor was removed from my house. Oh, my God. Um, the scrappers were probably so excited. I think they were. No, they were like, how do we lift this thing? They couldn't even <laughs> figure out how to move it. So that's how giant it was. Um yeah, and they're just great neighbors generally. We live in a twin, so we have kind of a shared backyard. We decided never to put up a fence, so we have like a big backyard for the kids. So, yeah, they're good neighbors. All right, neighborly behavior in Collingswood. Exactly, neighborly behavior. Um, sure. And what I love about Collingswood this month is Chow's Chinese Restaurant. Um, I just ordered from there yesterday. It is awesome. It is um, good. They have good vegetarian stuff. Yeah, and they have good, they have good everything. Um, so if you need Chinese food check out chow's mm-hmm. i heavily recommend it and also they have sushi now oh so my wife isn't that into chinese food i love it so um we can go there together and i'll get chinese and she'll get sushi nice we usually go to dragon house which is by us and really yeah, dragon house too. is pretty good too and they also do sushi yeah sagami is really good sushi that's the one that's like get got the james beard award oh right right so they're like nationally recognized but uh i think chow's chow's sushi is pretty good cool we'll have to check it out yeah all right. Well, that's our show for this month. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back at you next month with more news from Collingswood. Yeah, thanks. Bye.